than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk with Canadian designer, entrepreneur, and activist George Sully. When it comes to motivational figures on the Canadian fashion landscape, George Sully is a force. The award-winning Ottawa-born designer who co-founded shoe labels Sully and & Wong and House of Hala and went on to build his own hip Sully & Son brand is all about empowerment and helping others make their voices heard. The racial unrest that reared its head in 2020 motivated him to create Black Designers of Canada, a platform designed to bring awareness to Black talents across the country who had often been overlooked or ignored. George Sully's unbridled passion, sharp focus, and sheer energy are a wonder, and his vision just won't quit. This is one designer who not only wants to make the world a more beautiful place, but a better one. George Sully, welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters. I think that you are the bomb. You started in music and feared into fashion. I mean, that's been done before. And I know you were inspired too by, uh, I I still call him Puffy, but uh, by (laughs) Sean Combs, P. Diddy, uh, (laughs) who who did that kind of thing as well. But uh, tell me what that transition was like for you. And yeah, absolutely. It's a great question because I've always felt like in some sort of a transition and simply because, you know, just inside me, just wanting to express different ways and just to how to communicate my ideas and just my creativity. So I knew that at the time, Diddy was in music, but then he, you know, he, uh, he converted or he started to just, you know, get into fashion and just merge the two of music and fashion, which was very pinnacle at the time. Uh, and it was very innovative at the time to do the both and use celebrity to push something. So when I saw that, I knew that I was in music and I had a lot of DJ friends, a lot of artists that were in the business And knowing that I can just utilize my friends as the models and then just progress and be able to express my music in my fashion and on so and so forth. And that really took off like that model that he did. I was able to do on obviously a smaller scale, but um, I saw the light in that. And again, it's another one of those um, taboo things are stick to music, Diddy. I'm sure he's been told or, or stick to fashion. But him doing that gave me, you know, the inspiration to say, I can do this. And it's okay to merge different things to get your story out, right? Yeah, I love it. Uh, That whole mashup uh, is just the coolest thing. Um, But for you, music seemed to have taken a back seat. I don't know how involved you are with music right now, but you're really known now as a a great creative fashion force. Um, Was it? Sad to kind of let go of that other part of you just a little bit. Rhythm, music, it's always been part of my life. So it's one of those things that I, I'm like, you know, Batman and his utility belt. You know what I mean? You take something, you might put it away, you might use it a little later. And, you know, but it's always there, right? Uh, ready for use, uh, ready to save the world with. Um, I never left it. And it's kind of like, if any opportunity comes... I will always have that with me. And again, I've learned to be able to, again, prioritize, of course, not just do everything and just fail at everything because you're doing everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like prioritizing and using what you need to, again, tell that story, using what's best materials that you need to put together to tell that story. So I left music, yes, in a sense, but 
fashion was also a passion of mine. This is another something that's in me that it was such a such a creative force in me that I one doesn't, you know, doesn't cancel the other. It's kind of like when Diddy asks me to do that collaboration, I'm sure I'll be ready for it because like I've, I've never really left it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear the album. I still think, though, that the fashion world is far more demanding, in a sense, than the music world. Um, it, it's just ruthless. It's it's relentless, the amount of stuff you've got to come up with. And especially in terms of what you're doing, and we're going to talk about more about that in a minute, but I still wonder about how, you know, that that world was so appealing to you. You must have just loved, as you say, you loved fashion, but why? Why fashion? What is it about expressing yourself through garments and accessories? It really is such a turn on for you. I, th I think it, it just stems back from, again, my, you know, my childhood. It, it's fashion has always been um, a part of me. And again, my family is kind of like, uh, it comes from early on, my oldest brother uh, bringing in you know, I remember watching Michael Jackson, actually the premiere, I don't want to date myself, but watching the premiere of Thriller on MTV, like, you know what I mean? And, and the jackets and the things and the, and the, the swagger, it's one of those things that like, you don't, it doesn't leave you. And uh, he brought break, it, break dancing into the zone. Like he brought the mm -hmm. cool and brought the swag and everything was fashion. It's always been. And it's kind of like having the opportunity. It's kind of like, I, I feel I've never had to go into anything. It's kind of like, it's always been part of me. And it's just an extension of myself, mm -hmm. releasing an extent, an, another extension of myself. And because of the way I was raised and, and just my mom, just fearless, it's kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to not try to do that. I'm going to do that because win or lose, I'm going to get a chance to express myself creatively. And again, music was just an extension, like fashion is an extension, like sketching is an extension. These are things that has always been in, in, in the toolbox. And so these are things that like, when you, the opportunity to come back and enjoy these really cool things is, again, it's mm -hmm. just an extension of me, which makes me very unique in a pocket because it's kind of like, they say, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. I say yeah. jack of all trades is better than a master of one. I can't agree with you more. Anytime, you know, like the platform to talk to young people, I always say that when I was growing up, they used to say jack of all trades, master of none. It, that is so out the window now, like the more stuff you can do, get your, you know, yeah, you may not be a master of every single thing, but just get out there and try, do it. And you never know what's going to really speak to you. Absolutely. And we're in a new age. We're in a new place where it's kind of like, you know, be careful if you're just a master of one, because if you get that pink slip, if you're not working for yourself as an entrepreneur and you're working in an office job, it's kind of like you are you know, they can let you go and, and you are expendable. Um, and it's one of those things that I know a lot, even during the recession of 2008, I remember a lot of friends of mine that were really stuck in, in their corporate jobs. And here I was, I was again, taking advantage of the situation because I had like three businesses going and it's kind of like when one came down, the other one supported the other. And I was able to do this. And funny enough, I got a lot of friends of mine, Bay Street coming and saying, George, uh, not oh, forget how you do it. I need to do it. Teach me. And here I am teaching yeah. people around me how to mm. do and how to go this about life this way. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's so fascinating. I mean, I do think you have to be cut from a certain kind of cloth true, true. in order to do that well, because you've got to be resilient. You've got to be nimble. You've got to, you know, be thinking of what's what's next, what's next, you know, before Absolutely. it even happens. But just for a minute, the shoe thing, because that's how yeah. you started, like the whole, sh- why shoes? The real story is um, if I go into my my sneaker collection, it's it's the end-alls of end-alls. You know, you can call us sneaker freaks, you can call us, you know, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of names you can call us. But again, this goes back to growing up. The the Jordan ones, like we actually had them. You know, there's a lot of remakes of these shoes, but we actually had them. And it's the coolest thing. Like I thought I could never get to a place to manufacture and produce shoes. And it was always something that, again, in my utility belt, so to speak, in in my man, if I could make shoes, I would. And then, but that's never going to happen. But, you know, I'm a collector of, so I'll just stare at my hundred pairs of shoes and just, you know, we could all dream. And then I met Henry at a trade show and he knew my brand Lim Apparel at the time. And then he came up to me and said, Hey, you know what? I can, I can build you shoes. I didn't believe him at the time. If you could imagine there was only three major brands, Adidas, Nike, uh, you could throw in New Balance in there. You can throw in Reebok to, to fill in the last third, but mm. There wasn't many independent boutique sneakers being made that didn't exist. So it's kind of like, um, I didn't believe them. It just took a long time to gain that trust. And in the end, I sent them a couple of samples, lo and behold, or a couple of sketches, 2D uh, sketches. And I didn't actually use my, my own designs because I'm like, you know what, if anything happens, then I know that, you know, he ended up knocking off like a, I think I, I took, I, I traced out some Nike SBs at the time. Um, and I put my logo, I, I removed the Nike logo and I put my logo just in case. Cause if, you know, if he knocked it off or he just took off on the other side of the world and manufactured this stuff, then the joke would be on him. Well, the joke was on me because within a, about a month's time, I got pictures on, on my, in my email of the actual sneaker that I sent him and my branding cut in stitched in. And I was just, that was it for me. That was it. Like, I was like, you know what? I'm sold because that transition knew, meant that nobody can follow me. Cause at the time, you know, we're doing the, you know, the bespoke tees and the graph tees and the hoodies and the suits mm-hmm. and all like, you know, all that type of stuff. But locally we're always just getting, you know, when I did a graph tee, somebody saw it and then they cut the same thing or something close to it. And we're all just kind of in a circle of knocking each other off. Like basically, you know what I mean? And the minute I stepped into the shoe game, it was already such a hard discipline to, to get to and to achieve. And I'm like, this is where it is because nobody will follow me from here. It's the hardest discipline out of all fashion because it's really tough. Um, And it's very pricey. There's no, you can't do three pieces. You have to do minimums. And the better the quality factory, the better, the bigger the minimums, uh, the MOQ. So the minute I saw that sneaker was the minute I said, I can separate myself from all of the hoodies or tees or caps or all the stuff that we were doing at the time back in the day. And uh, yeah, it, it did exactly that. But just quickly, so that first sneaker that you're talking about, that never really went into production then? No, it never went into production. It was more, it was kind of like, I can make you a sample. Oh yeah, okay, here, take this and then we'll see what happens. And then when it came back, I was like, it's done. Wow. Uh, we started in designing, you know, the first of sneakers. We, we, we continued with a little bit of a collection for Lim Apparel at the time. Lim Apparel was... Uh, a brand that, again, I just brought in a whole bunch of friends and DJs and stuff like that. And I asked them what they considered their extension. And so Lim Apparel, 
like what's an extension of your what's like what's an extension of yourself gene you'd say fashion right and that's an extension of you like a body part like a limb limb apparel so that's what authentic street for all that is your extension that was the slogan every great conversation needs a pause so this is the perfect time to speak to you about our sponsor tsc without their support this podcast wouldn't be possible We've been talking about these great Canadian brands like Brass and Unity, Kayla K, Biko, and Sully and Son. If you want to check out their wares, you can just visit TSC. TSC has a curated Canadian arts and fashion awards store where you can find the collections of these great designers and so much more. And that's at tsc.ca/kafa. Now you went on to after the sneaker thing, uh, you know that this not that the sneaker thing is gone anywhere; it's still very much alive. But of you also experimented with, uh, you know, stilettos, high heels, sexy footwear for women. Well, well, see, that's that's it, right? So it's kind of like the, the sneakers have always did like this tone on tone on tone on tonal thing for Sully Wong. So I noticed that in women's heels, there are no monochromatic shoes uh, unless the black on black because is black on black or the uh, the sand and because women's shoes will have a nude bottom or black bottom that's it that's all that there is in the market so if you actually go in your closet you will see 99% of your shoes either have well in your closet there will be a lot of red bottoms but uh, in general <laughs> in general you'll have black or nude bottoms for any color and the thing is is that i just went everywhere looked everywhere because again like you know i don't wear women's heels I checked, I, I saw this and I'm like, wow, I think we're onto something. It took us a long time to convince a factory to, to actually literally uh, match the colors of the soles to the, up, to the interior, to the heels, to the counter, to the toe box, to do this. It was actually hard to do because manufacturers, the reason why there's a black or new bottom is because it, it's, it's easy. And again, here I go again, I always take the route that's the hardest because it's the best payoff. So in the end, you get a brand um, that is one silhouette multiple colors you know fast forwarding a little bit uh to now so you know you're in the groove there and you're creating you've proven yourself as a a very able uh creative force here you got around to an amazingly inspiring way of thinking and seeing the world and you started to look at uh, fashion for a greater cause fashion with purpose i mean you could be creating all kinds of stuff out there and that's all very well and you could be you know making a lot of dough doing it or you know getting your name out there to, but you decided that still wasn't enough you really had to try and elevate your community and really do something good for the world and that is amazing because you're still a pretty young guy you know I think a lot Thank of you. people start thinking like that as they really get, you know, further and further along in their careers and their lives and they want to leave a legacy. And, you know, sometimes maybe it is even an ego driven thing, but for you, community, I know is like so important. So talk to me about that and, and why, why that realization or when that realization really came to you that you had to take what you were doing and make it for, you know, the general good. Well, you know what, I think all this can stem back to June 2020. And June 2020 was very important. And with all that was happening at the time, again, a lot of police violence and a lot of just a lot of things that just culminated together. And obviously, George Floyd, there has been a lot of violence, again, uh, against people of color. And 
But this was special because it was captured and it was 100% in the daylight with, with witnesses and all these things. This is what made it really different. And it really made everybody stop, look, and listen. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So all these things to have, it was like a flash. Like it was like the, the craziest thing to have everybody at home forced to sit and watch this thing, this almost 10 minutes worth of what we saw. And that changed everything because it put a lot of attention to what was going on. And finally, there was, there, there, there was something that people could all come together and understand what they were seeing. And that lended itself to a lot of things that were happening in other sectors for all of time for people of color. And for me, I saw the opportunity because for the first time, Canada came in to the game and finally admitted to certain things, uh, so, uh, admitted to systemic racism, that it actually is a thing in Canada, uh, admitted to um, just racism in general, that it's just the same as anywhere else. Being called the N-word in America still hurts from a Canadian calling me the N-word here in Canada. It still hurts the same. There's not a nicer version of that. So for me, seeing that Canada owned up to these things and that the public and our, our, our colleagues and our friends and families all came out and said, you know what, we're going to stop talking and we're going to listen. These are all things growing up as a person of color I never heard in my lifetime. It was the most craziest thing to absorb that, wow, if I've been designing and what I call designing in the dark the whole time, then the lights got turned on because for the first time I felt we had partners and saying, we, there is a problem. And acknowledging that there is a problem, we could actually solve it. And for all of time and all of my career and all of these things, I've been designing in the dark because nobody ever admitted to the problem. So there was no real reason to fix it. And so then this happened. And then I said, you know what, this is the opportunity for me to, to help bring these amazing designers into the light. So I started Black Designers of Canada and starting Black Designers of Canada it was literally, I'm like, I could only do it now because we have partners that actually are going to listen to what I've been saying the whole time. I'm not just one Black designer, or I'm not just the few. For a long time, uh, it's been understood that we are just 10 or 12. What's the big deal, George? Why are you crying out so loud? You're the mad Black guy. Why, are, why is this happening when there's only 10 or 12 of you? I needed to make a ledger. I needed to make a body count. I needed to make, and, and people understand that we are more than 10, more than 50, more than 100, maybe 200, maybe more. So starting Black Designers of Canada made that ledger, made that list, made that index to really expose us and to lift us and to show the rest of Canada that we are here and we're ready to work. We've always been ready to come to a table. Well, this table that we're asking to come to, we help build. I, I did some of the miter work in the corners. I did some of the leg work. So these are the things that was very important that they say, you know what, you can start your own table, but you know what, wait, let's start at the table that we help build first. And then together as a community, as Canada, as, as a force, start to help build other tables. And, yeah. and, and these are all things. And that's why I started Black Designers of Canada. Um, it's just to really help uplift Black designers and put them in a position of power that we've yeah. never been able to really get because the plausible deniability of that we didn't exist in the first place set the tone for that, right? Yeah. You said something really inspired, as you always say something really inspiring, even on, on your, even on your Instagram, even that minor little platform, you said, uh, all we've ever asked for is a chance to race. I thought that was like, so such a beautiful way of, of looking at it. And finally, 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 you know, you're, uh, 
it's like you're in the game, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, again, when I say designing, I use the term designing in the dark. It's simply because we've gotten good as people of color, not getting all the tools, not getting the light, not getting all these things, but still grinding and still working. Like never an excuse. You, know, you never hear an excuse for me why I'm not doing what I do. And I love what I do. But the difference is, is like getting used to not being covered or getting used to uh, launching collections and their silence in the dark and being okay with that. And it's just not okay to get used to that. But we've, we have this thing that when the light comes on, we're like, oh my God, like, wow, my materials were right there the whole time. That's really cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's a mind blowing thing. If we're talking about mental health, this is like PTSD. You have this, it, it goes really deep. You know, you're qualified, you know, you have the discipline, you know, you have the acumen, you know, you have the energy, but yet there's something, there's a weight on the body. You don't know where it comes from and why, but why are, are, are you not with your peers that you've helped build? That's the thing that's the, the, where the PTSD comes. You take somebody who knows next to nothing about fashion, you raise them as your own, and then you put them, um, you put them in a position of power and then they jettison. And you start to understand why they do. And then you turn into, well, I'm going to have to wait, but I'm going to continue to earn and put these people who don't look like me into positions of power because I know the system. So I know that Julie can get the opportunity. So I'm going to design Julie's brand or I'm going to join XYZ's brand and get them to a position of power. I've put people in, in, in department stores before they, could eat, they, they would dare look at me. And this is the PTSD. This is the mental health that it, it finally we're able to talk about these things and I'm proud. And I've, I've always gotten, I've always made sure to get paid my worth. Right. It, it's a beautiful thing to, 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 to watch this journey and to watch so many beautiful designers get there, just do, and yeah. just be able to breathe and, and, and work in the light. I mean, you've just instilled um, a sense of confidence um, in a lot of people that was uh, kind of hard to come by, by, um, as you say, casting a light on on them on the scene on the possibilities one thing though that be, besides just trying to expose uh, some of this great talent how do you work with uh, them how are these people being mentored because i would imagine right. that's something really really important to uh, to learn how absolutely I, I think the the first thing i needed to do is and the first thing i knew that i could do independently of any other help anywhere else is create this index, create the website, curate the talent that's on it, knowing that I'm from the design background, knowing that I know the aesthetics of what it took to, or what, what it would take for people to really stop, look and listen. And I knew I can do that by myself. And I said, if anybody else wants to help me expand these things that of course I would love to do, then the door is open because I created one. So come one, come all. If, if on June 3rd or June 2nd, um, there was a blackout, blackout Tuesday where people of all colors and all creeds came out and said, you know, we're going to support, we're going to buy black, we're going to put up a black JPEG, we're going to mute ourselves on Instagram, we're going to do all these things. I did this and I'm like, okay, well, if we are all saying the same thing, then, and we all want to, 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 we all feel that we need this help to help the community, then I'll leave the door open. And so I created this index and then I'm like, okay, well, I know I need, you know, the workshops and I know I need some sort of mentorship and support for these designers. Cause now I'm putting them in, in, in the light. So now they're exposed. So then now which ones are ready? Which ones are not, or is it their fault? Do we go back into 
the, the network and supports that, that weren't given from the government, from the things, from the community, all these things, right? So just now, which is amazing, can I mention some of these uh, some of these um, brands? Oh, that are, please, um, absolutely. So you know, companies like Sezzle came on board. Companies like DHL has come on board. Uh, Salesforce has come on board, and these type of corporations not only saw what I was doing, just really want to get their you know hands in the you know hands in the paint, so to speak, and get to work and help create these infrastructures and help create these webinars and help create all these other things, which we're working on right now to really reinforce what we're trying to do here. We're trying to uh, give light to these designers and try to give them great exposure. But at the same time, the ones that are not ready, give them mentorship. The ones that are ready, forget mentorship, forget, you know, uh, chit chats. They need buyers meetings. They're already ready. And I use that and and I use myself as an example because for a guy who says he was ready, I was definitely put to the test when I was asked to deliver. So, and again, you know, shout out to uh, Harry Rosen, shout out to Hudson's Bay, of course. Um, uh, again, I want to be invited to the race. I just want to race, win or lose, but give me the chance to line up with, beside my peers and do my thing. So, like, hey, and now you're selling a TSC too. We got to put a, hey, a uh, plug hey, in for TSC. Wait a second. That you know what? <laughs> that was such a beautiful thing when I actually I I showed up. And, and then I get greeted by this huge, you know, we support Black Lives Matter. Like just, it was such a surprise. It was such a nice surprise and already kind of mm-hmm. the, the support. And again, I have to thank you actually personally, because uh, for the fact that you reached out to me um, again, and we start talking early on and people make people, right? People make people. And it's kind of like you extending yourself. And again, not saying I'm going to do anything more than what I'm asking for. And the fact that you just gave me the opportunity to present uh, to TSC and open up those doors. And I'm comfortable with that because I'll do the rest of the work. I'll do the work that you're, that you're hoping that I do. I have that. So the fact that you opening the door and, and then it just happening simply because again, I'm ready. We are ready. The ones that are ready are really ready. We don't need to push the can or kick the can down the road. We need just the opportunity to present and then win or lose by that. But presenting, just to present is a new thing for hundreds of Black designers and or BIPOC designers across Canada. Um, we haven't had these presentation moments. And again, I, I really appreciate it, Jeannie, because uh, that was very special and TSC is very special. I'm looking forward to that. I'm... I'm not surprised how we are doing in these department stores and in these high, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm, I've been saying this for the past, you know, 20 years when my first opportunity 20 years ago was in athletes world. Lim Apparel got to athletes world that long ago. So to say that I wasn't ready back then and use excuses that maybe George, no, I'm, I'm good. Cause I was, I've had some wins, some great wins. It's just, not everybody has had a chance to celebrate it with me. Uh, they didn't sub- celebrate so much success that looked like me. You know, you just, uh, you've got the soul of a poet, I have to say. Again, the kind of inspiration that I've even gleaned from you, just by the little quips that you even put up on Instagram, like you, you wrote, quote, I'll be honest, I haven't done anything different to achieve added notoriety they just finally found the flower shop i'm just happy that i didn't have to die first to get all them lovely roses i mean that was like whoa 
<laughs> well, the fact that, you know, you see it that way, that finally, uh, you know, all that, that grunt work that, you know, you did in your, your own, in the fashion trenches, you know, has paid off at Absolutely. this wonderful uh, stage and age where you're still really, you know, young enough, like think of some great, the great artists of our time that were never, you know, like recognized till they croaked, as you say. And, but what I find so inspiring and because you've always, you know, said that community is everything to you, is that it's not enough for you to just be successful. You got to bring all those other brothers and sisters with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I think at a time back in the past when, you know, just a piece of crumb would be thrown in a circle and everybody would just try to just the thing, those days are over and it's opening up where there's opportunity everywhere. So if you are ready for it, you will get that opportunity. And again, uh, corporations, if it's not from the bottom of their heart, at the end of the day, it's the bottom line. And they're realizing that, wow, there's money here. There's a lot of it. So um, some are coming from for the bottom line. It's business. That's fine. Some are coming with their, their heart and hand. That's fine. Either or, um, we'll take position. We'll take position on the racetrack because the rest will have to leave to excellence and or tripping and or losing and or winning. But it's, it's, it's a great time when I can really say sky is the limit. And to tell my son, I could really, and I'm not lying when I tell him that sky is the limit. But if my father told me that when I was a kid, he was lying. And he was just trying to make sure that his son had the confidence and had all those things built in to know that I'm going to have a big fight on my hands growing up. So my son, he's in a way better position because I'm going to be able to tell him sky's the limit. And it's based on your merit and your, and your acumen and, and your strength within yourself. But you will not have a knee on your neck, right? Ever think of running for politics? Yes. <laughs> I mean, like you're, 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 <laughs> I mean, you are, you just seem like a natural born leader. I mean, the kind of, uh, also the kind of optimism and, you know, at a time when we really all, all of us, no matter what the color of our skin, or, you know, or what our mindset, you know, we all need hope. I'm really uh, just so impressed with you and with everything uh, that you, you do and with everything that, uh, that you've given us and continue Thank to you. give us. And uh, at the end of the day, besides all the great groovy product, uh, some of which we have at TSE, uh, you, uh, you give us hope and you've given uh, you know, the community hope. And when I say the community, I mean that, you know, the community at large. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for all your positivity, George, and for all your talent and for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters. Thanks for listening. New episodes of the podcast will be coming at you every other Monday. You can watch Style Matters Thursday on TSC or online at the tsc.ca website. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.